This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, June 13, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Over and above the basic necessity for housing, interventions in housing markets can also serve as a drag on the economy. And the virtues of cities remain virtues, only to the extent that more people can take advantage. At a Cato Policy Forum today on housing policy, Matt Iglesias of Slate discussed some of the implications of bad housing policy. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the the title of my book on this subject uh, is, is The Rent is Too Damn High. It was obviously uh, stolen from Jimmy McMillan of the uh, the Rent is Too Damn High party in, in New York. Um, but the, the basic pitch of the book is that, you know, rather than uh, Jimmy McMillan's uh, point in this is simply that he, he wants stricter and, and better enforcement of, uh, of rent control laws in, in New York City. Um, but the, the point of my book is to try to say that, you know, we need to look not just at the affordability of a house is sort of the ratio between what it costs and what the person who's living there, uh, you know, has to spend. Uh, obviously, a very important concern on an individual level. Everyone wishes that the particular place they were living, you know, might be might be had for less money. Um, but from a social point of view, what's much more important is actually sort of the the abundance of housing, and is the question of can we have a large quantity of people enjoying sort of excellent housing, uh, housing that's good in quality. And and good in location. Um, and the, the you know, starting point of sort of the inquiry that I was looking on is to look at population growth trends in the United States. Uh, and you see that, you know, people are, are really moving to a, a certain number of Sunbelt cities. Uh, and you sometimes hear them described uh, in the press as, well, these are, these are the places that are really booming in America. Uh, Houston is booming. Phoenix is booming. Um, um, San Antonio. Uh, particularly during the sort of the, the days of, of the housing bubble and, and the greater economic uh, strength. Um, but still, if, if you look at those areas, you know, what they were booming in is population. People are moving there. Uh, in terms of, of economics and prosperity, none of those places are all that booming. Uh, wages are not rising. Uh, the sort of key businesses that drive the economy forward are, are not locating there. Um, and, and it's almost the equivalent of, you know, people just kind of, well, people are moving there essentially because they can afford the houses in those places. Then if you look at different kind of metro areas, which are booming in terms of incomes and wages uh, and, and desirability, you see uh, places on, on the California coast, uh, particularly uh, around the Bay Area, you see here in the Northeast Corridor, uh, particularly in some of the satellite cities around New York, the Boston area, the Washington DC area. These are places where people have access to, to the best jobs um, and the highest incomes. But uh, population has not been growing in those places. Instead, what's happened is just that it's become more and more expensive to live in there. And you've had, you know, the familiar phenomenon of gentrification, where or previously low wage, uh, previously, uh, you know, affordable portions of cities become more and more expensive. Um, and, you know, uh, my basic point is simply that this is a very um, socially costly process that even though, um, well, that, that, you know, when people are not able to move to the places where the highest wages and incomes are available, it, it contributes to a sort of downward drag on the economy as a whole. And that it's, it's not, it's become sort of fashionable sometimes among liberals to look at this sort of very sprawling sunbelt cities and say, well, you know, these are bad places or it's ugly or it's bad for the environment. Uh, and in a lot of ways, they are bad for the environment. And I personally agree that they, that they are a little bit ugly. Um, yet at the same time, they're, they're providing a very necessary commodity to people, which is to say a place to live. Um, people, people really need a house. Um, 
and that in the cities that uh, well that tend to be more left wing politically have a lot of virtues, have very highly educated populations, have a lot of high wage jobs, uh, have a more compact urban form that is much better for the environment. But at the same time, if you don't allow for people to come into those cities, you're really limiting the virtues uh, th that exist in them. And the only way to get more people into a place like New York or a place like the Boston area or a place like Silicon Valley is to allow for more buildings to be built in them. Um, and you know, among people in the know at this point, it, it's cliche to observe that there's severe restrictions, but a lot of people, I think when, when they talk about these things, still to this day don't realize exactly how tightly curtailed uh, urban development is that, um, here in, in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, if you, if you go to Georgetown and walk around the sort of nice little houses there, often on, on narrow lots, often with no parking garages, it's not obvious to people that it's actually illegal to build uh, housing that dense uh, across the majority of the city, that you need to provide much more, much more space than that. And that all across the sort of D.C. suburbs, you know, where you see very expensive single-family homes, the reason they're so expensive and the reason they're single-family homes is that you can't build anything other than single-family homes there, and only so many single-family homes uh, fit on a, on a given piece of land. Um, and, uh, you know, so the, the challenge that I always have to, to liberals, to people who are inclined to be, you know, suspicious of deregulation and, and of business and, and of, you know, rich developers is to say, well, you know, look, uh, there's nobody else who, who can build houses other than developers. That's, that's the line of business they're in. And if you want people to come and live in the kinds of cities that you want to celebrate, you know, you need to relax the rules and, and let them go build more stuff. Uh, conversely, you know, a, a challenge to the, to the right in America is that this seems to me to be a big sort of blind spot of conservative thinking, that part of, of fusionist politics is a is sort of a merger between free market ideas and the sort of cultural values of suburban America uh, in a way that has led to, I think, a, a kind of myopic focus on the idea that like someone is wasting money somewhere on a streetcar program and missing like the real boat of what's happening in urban America, which is that... Um, the highest value places are not being allowed to, to grow and prosper in the way that they should, and that uh, overregulation is basically preventing the highest value American cities from becoming bigger and denser in a way that would be better for, for the vast majority of people. Um, so I guess that's what I have. Turn it up. Matt Iglesias is a columnist at Slate. You can read more about housing policy and watch the full forum at our website, cato.org.